Welcome back to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast presented by Sib Sports. This is your host, John Ashkar. And today with me, I have two of my favorite co-hosts in the world. First off, back as usual, Jack Vandermater. Welcome back, Jack. Glad to be back. We got a special guest, like you said. Mr. Ethan Heiss is back with us for a special episode because we're going to be talking a little bit of Guardians baseball today. Yeah, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me back on the show. Always, always good to be here. Yeah, Ethan, we are very excited to have you back, and we are all extremely excited to record this episode today to talk about your playoff 2022 Guardians team. So kicking things off, just a little recap on how the season went. Last time Ethan was with us, we went over our Guardians season preview and. To say the least, it has been a wonderful, wonderful season for this Guardians team, the youngest team in the MLB. Their current record is 88-68. and 68. They have six more games to finish out the season, a six-game series versus the Royals, and they will be starting that in about five minutes. We are recording here on a Friday night, but they finished first in the AL Central, guys. They clinched the AL Central title for the first time since 2018, right? Mm-hmm. And the next thing we have written here is the biggest reason or one of the biggest reasons why they're in the playoffs, and that's because the young guns came to play this year. Yeah, I mean, we did a, a little recap or a preview earlier with Ethan. He was on the pod. And I'm looking through these names right now, and like we did not really talk about these guys. Like Stephen Kwan wasn't even mentioned in that episode. Andres Menes is not talked about in the way that we're going to talk about him. So obviously you have MVP candidates or an MVP candidate in Jose Ramirez who is just playing lights out as he has been for years. We've got multiple Gold Glove candidates. That's been a huge reason that we've been so successful with Stephen Kwan in left field, Miles Straw in center, and Andres Jimenez at second. We got a Rookie of the Year candidate in Stephen Kwan who is won't win, won't win, but should be in that conversation. Just a popularity contest, and then reliever of the year candidate in the manual class. So the young guns are, like you said, they came to play. Yeah, I think people really came out of out of the woodworks this year for the Guardians. Quan Jimenez weren't really on anybody's roster, and then even some other guys we haven't talked about, like Tristan McKenzie, really took the next step this year and helped elevate this team from one that was looking like it was going to be on the outside looking in to winning the AL Central and clinching up the three seed. Yeah, so I'm looking at our preview right now real quick for you guys. And it's just crazy the names that started off on this roster at the beginning of the year, like Bobby Bradley, Yu Chang, Ernie Clement. You have Bradley Zimmer. So it's a huge, huge change. Yeah, I thought thought Frandel Reyes was going to play a big role. You said said Bobby Bradley was going to be a spark plug. I remember that in our preview, and I was like, this dude is tripping. But (laughs) like the boys, tripping the boys. Shout out to them. But, yeah, someone that we did talk about, though, that I do have to correct you both on is Stephen Kwan. But I don't think anyone could have predicted the season that he could have had for the Guardians, a Rookie of the Year candidate. But leaning into that, Stephen Kwan has been a huge part of what we're talking about next, and that's the offense. The offense that finished or right now has the ninth highest batting average in the MLB at two fifty two. These guys don't strike out, especially Stephen Kwan, that have the least strikeouts in the MLB this year with 1,071. 
And they are some demons on the base pass. They have the third most stolen bases at 114. This is a gritty lineup that hits for contact. They don't hit a lot of home runs. They have the 29th most home runs in the MLB, which is second last with 123. These guys play ball. They play a short game. They do it the hard way, and they grind out wins. Yeah, and I think the thing that's so impressive, too, is like how some of these young guys have, just have the mentality of like veterans. Like Stephen Kwan, I would never guess in a million years that he was a rookie if I just were to be watching a Guardians game one day. And and I think that's really what's led to the success and the consistency, too. You know, the no one expected the Guardians to be as consistent as they were. I remember Elvis Andrews of the White Sox said, they've been playing perfect up until now. If we keep winning, they're going to crumble the closer we get. Obviously, that's kind of become a meme, but no one expected this, so... Clearly, like that, it's not a fluke that they've been consistent the entire year. Yeah, and I think some of those key offensive metrics that you really mentioned that set us aside from the rest of the pack is that the Guardians do not strike out and they put the ball in play. And that kind of allows them to use that speed they were talking about, get on the base path, get around the base path, and really just avoid putting themselves in sticky situations. It's pretty mind-boggling to me that we have five players in the top 30 in steals for MLB, all of them coming in above 17 on the season, which is just a lot in today's ballgame. Yeah, these guys play a conventional way of baseball, which a lot of the league doesn't like. The Guardians have definitely gotten a lot of flack for it this year from other teams and fan bases, but you know what? They don't care. They continue to play the same style of baseball and they continue to take other teams' winning hopes away from them. And another stat that we have written here is that they're really good at hitting sack flies. They are third in the MLB in doing that. And these stats that we're giving you guys are stats that can really help a team in a playoff game. When you're facing another team's best bullpen, you're facing those relievers late in a game, what do you have to do? You have to do sacrifice bunts, get guys over to second, get guys over to third, and then sack fly them in, get a hit down the line. And that's something that the Indians just did a couple nights ago with Stephen Kwan hitting someone in, doubling them in. So this team is built to hit in the playoffs. The one thing they just don't do that is a big, big help in playoff runs is hit home runs. Yeah, the lack of home runs could come to bite them if they are down, if they find themselves down a couple runs, but... Their ability to not give up and hit in the clutch has been something that, again, kind of goes to what we were saying about like how no one expected the, the you know this of these guys, and they have I think I can't remember what the exact number is, but the amount of late game comebacks that they've had and walk off wins that they've had this year is pretty incredible, and it just like I think if anything like I know that I'm worried I'm a little worried about the inexperience going into the playoffs, but. If they've shown anything, it's that they can hit when it matters. Yeah, this team is incredibly clutch. If you look at guys who are normally just kind of awful hitters like Austin Hedges, his batting average skyrockets when he's put into a high leverage situation. So they know what they're doing. The same can be said for Ahmed Rosario. And I think the power of late has been starting to show with a couple of guys like Oscar Gonzalez, who's hit like five homers in the past two weeks, which was far more than the rest of his season, which I want to say was one leading up to that point. 
Yeah, these guys are definitely heating up. Oscar's someone that just probably needed some time to get used to MLB pitching to start to tap into that power because he did have 30 home runs in the minor leagues last year. But none of this wouldn't be possible, guys, without the Guardians pitching staff. It cannot be understated how good this pitching staff has been this year throughout injuries, with relieving games, and even with starting. The Guardians pitching staff has the sixth lowest ERA in baseball at 349. That includes a starter ERA of 3.78, which is 11th in the MLB, and a reliever ERA of 3.04, which is 5th in the MLB. These guys have been getting it done both starting and relieving, and a big part of that in the bullpen has been Emmanuel Classe, and some big, big parts for that starting-wise has been Shane Bieber and the huge rise of Tristan McKenzie. Yeah, in our preview episode, I asked you guys at the end of the episode what who I, you, you guys would thought would take the, the biggest step among the pitching staff because I know we had a lot of young guys who, who showed promise, and you guys said McKenzie, and you were spot on. He's been incredible, and I think we haven't even seen close to what he can become. And then the Guardians in general the last few years have just had incredible pitching. It's kept them in games. They obviously like see the value of pitching because they go out in last year's draft class or two draft classes ago and just hit all pitchers. So they've got the pitching staff on lock. I think I've been more impressed, though, because we knew coming into the season that Bieber was, was legit. But I've been super impressed with the bullpen, right? Class A going from a good reliever to one of the best relievers in baseball, Karen Check, a.k.a. Joey, just absolutely, absolutely balling, figuring out how to spin the ball again. I don't know where that came from, but we won't, we won't talk on that. The hair. Um, and then other guys like Trevor Stefan, Henches, and Sandlin have all been great in their own respect. So obviously it's been, it's been really good to see. Yeah, just kind of piggybacking off of Jack here, I think the real surprise for me was the bullpen. I mean, James Karinczak, like you said, has returned to form. We know it's not the sticky stuff. They checked his hair. <laughs> but it's pretty crazy that he had a 24.2 inning scoreless streak in the back half. And you pair that with Klasse and Sandlin. I think at one point they went and combined like 70 innings, only allowing one earned run, which is absolutely ridiculous. And even Henches and Trevor Steffen have shown their promise. If you go to Trevor Steffen's baseball savant page, it's all red. His lowest percentile is extension, where he's 71st percentile. Everything else is above that. Yeah, so this bullpen has been lights out, especially in the second half of the season. And a big part of that has been James Karinczak coming back. He didn't pitch for the Guardians till July because he was injured. Nick Sandlin was another big part of that. He started the year off with the Guardians, but had control issues, was issuing a lot of walks. They sent him down to AAA. He figured out his stuff came up back up and has been basically unhittable since then. They added two late inning relievers in July. That's something that not a lot of teams have. And that's something that a lot of playoff teams would love. This bullpen is something that they're going to have to lean on in this playoff run. And it's one of their biggest strengths. And that's crazy saying that because in our preview, guys, the three of us all agreed on that the bullpen was the most shaky part of this roster coming into the year. It had by far the most question marks. Besides Classe, guys, we had no idea who was going to make up this bullpen between Sam Henches, who was absolutely terrible as a starter last year, or Trevor Stefan, who never had a definitive role in the bullpen. And these guys have all stepped up to 
make one of the best bullpens in the MLB. Fifth lowest ERA to be exact. And even guys like Ethan, Eli Morgan, have stepped in who had a huge first half. Or Eniel De Los Santos, another guy who's come in and played big roles at times. This bullpen is super exciting and something that they can really lean on in this playoff run. It's just a shame that we don't have Anthony Ghost going into the playoffs. <laughs> Get out of here. Hefty lefty pumping 100. <laughs> yeah, well, he will be missed. <laughs> but, like, thinking back to, to the 2016 run, we, we don't have an Andrew Miller per se, but, like, the one of the big reasons that the Guardians were so successful is the bullpen and that the fact that we were able to essentially shorten opposing teams you know innings for them that they can score because they just weren't going to get a run after you know the starter went out so like if, if our if our bullpen can you know approach that level of dominance which obviously is, is maybe unlikely but if we can approach that level then this is going to be a scary scary matchup for any team that faces us in the playoffs yeah you just got to keep that pitching staff away from drones too because you know what that did to trevor bauer but anyways, kind of talking about the bullpen a little bit, guys, I just wanted to ask you, who abouts do you think would be in this bullpen come playoff time? Because the Guardians do have to cut down their roster to 26 men for the playoffs. And obviously you can't keep everyone for the playoffs. Plus the MLB has a new rule to only have 14 pitchers on your roster for a playoff series. So before, Terry Francona, he even talked about this, would stack his playoff roster with pitchers, but now you cannot do this. I have listed down a couple of guys who I think are locks to make the bullpen coming into the playoffs, and that's Emmanuel Classe, James Karantrak, Trevor Stefan, Sam Henches, and Nick Sandlin. But there's some guys that are maybes like Eniel De Los Santos, Eli Morgan, a.k.a. Ethan, the mega bro, Zach Plezak, Cody Morris, Kirk McCarthy, and the GOAT, Brian Shaw. So I'll let both of you guys answer real quick. Who do you guys think could, you know, make up the back end of this bullpen for the playoffs? I think, like you were saying, you've got the locks in there. Class A, Karen Jack, Stefan, Henches, Sandlin. I definitely think Aniel De Los Santos has earned his spot on the team. I mean, wins and losses are obviously not everything, but I'm pretty sure he's 5-0 and on the year, which as a reliever means that he's getting the job done in high-leverage situations. I also think Plezak has looked pretty good in rehab of late, fanning five and five innings in his most recent start, so I could see him kicking it in the pen or even coming in as a fourth starter should we advance. He would be growing down in the bullpen. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Him and Trevor Stefan would just be... Oh, yeah, it would be a bro day in the bullpen. (laughs) Absolutely broed out. A guy you didn't mention that I think could be on the roster is Xavion Curry. He's come up a couple of times, shown some decent stuff. I think he would really only pitch in a blowout. Yeah, I think beyond Xavion Curry, there's not really anybody else that they're probably going to be looking towards in the minors. So I think they're really rock with what what they had all year which unfortunately means the like of, likes of Kirk McCarty, Brian Shaw, and Connor Pilkington, who I'm pray never have to see. <laughs> Wait, one more question for you, Ethan. And you didn't mention it either. Do you make the playoff roster? Yes, I do believe that my twin, Eli Morgan, makes the playoff roster. And I think he'll actually 
see some time on the field. Just given that in the first half of the year, he was really good. He obviously had some troubles with the, with the home run ball in the back half, kind of leaving his changeup up in the zone. But hopefully he could get that sorted out before playoffs. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, so you guys pretty much hit the, the nail on the head there. And since we're talking about playoffs, I think this is a good transition into kind of the playoff preview now of the episode where we where we get you kind of set up for the path to a title and what that looks like. So right now, if the postseason started today, the Guardians would be the three seed and they would play the Tampa Bay Rays in the first round and the winner of that would go on to play the Yankees. So starting off with the Rays, let's, let's start with them actually. You know, well, actually, here I'll I'll put this question out to you to start. So, it's the Rays or the Mariners is who we we'd likely face. Who would you rather see the Guardians match up against in that divisional round? I think I have the unpopular opinion here based off some of the metrics we have on like our shared drive, but I would rather see the Seattle Mariners in the first round. I think that that team just is a little bit. Shakier, not in the, sen- in the sense that they have more star power, more names than the likes of Julio Rodriguez, Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker, Adam Frazier. But the Rays scare me in the sense that they're just gamers, and they've also been here and done that before. They made the World Series just two years ago. They're a consistent playoff team at this point, and they get the job done with no names, which is a scary thought. Yeah, so I agree with you in that sense, Ethan, that the Rays have been there, done that. They know how to work a playoff series, especially Kevin Cash, one of the best managers in baseball. But I'm going to go opposite here from you, and I'm going to say I'd rather play the Rays because the Guardians have just flat out been better versus them this year. They were 4-2 and two versus the Rays this year versus 1-6 and six versus the Mariners. It really just seemed like the Mariners had our line the whole season they have Los Bomberos, a great bullpen, but so do the Rays. They both have good pitching staffs. They could put out three awesome starters. Either team could versus the Guardians, and we'll go more in depth for both of these teams, but I'm just going to go Rays here. The Guardians just did take two of one from them, so I'm confident that they could do the same again next week, hosting the Rays again, but Jack, I say let's hop into the projected team as of now. But for the listeners, this could change because there are six games left. The Rays have not clinched yet, but depending on how they finish out and how the Mariners finish out will determine who the Guardians host next Friday night. But starting with the Tampa Bay Rays, because that's who the Guardians are projected to play, like I said, they are 4-2 versus the Rays this year. The Rays don't have as good as an offense as the Guardians, they are the 17th highest batting average in the MLB at 241. They are 11th in strikeouts with 1,345, which is a lot. But when they put the ball in play, they are getting on base. They have a batting average on balls in play of 297, which is 9th in the MLB. So these guys can hit the ball, and when they hit the ball, they're getting on base. Yeah, the Rays, it's an interesting kind of matchup for the Guardians because both of these teams, like that, like Ethan, you used a good word, they're just gamers. I think they, they this would be a really fun series to watch. I'll let Ethan, I'll let you kind of break down the team more because you're a little bit more knowledgeable about their, their players. But I think that, I, 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 
to answer the previous question too, I think I'd rather see the Rays as well, just because of the re- season record. Because when you look at the pitching, like you said, John, fourth lowest ERA in baseball for the Tampa Bay Rays versus the seventh for the Mariners, it, it doesn't make a huge difference. So with that, I'll kind of let Ethan talk about the, the individual players that make that happen. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things about the Rays, and when you look at them as a team, there's not really eye-popping names. Some of the metrics don't really show out. But a really interesting statistic is that they have the most analysts on their staff of any team in the MLB at like close to 40 analysts just who sit there, crunch the numbers, and try to use formulas to win baseball games. And it works for them. And a couple of guys who I think like really show that are Yandy Diaz, Isak Paredes, and Randy Rosarena. Each one does something very differently, very well. Yandy Diaz gets on base like a madman. His OBP is like 380. Randy Rosarena and Isak Paredes are both going to give you just insane amounts of power. And then there's another guy, even like Jose Siri, who was kind of a failed Astros center fielder, one of the top prospects, that can't really hit the ball, but is insanely good with the glove and has a war of 1.4 because of that. That's just the way that they approach baseball. They look at what are our holes and try to fill those holes, even if it doesn't mean that the name is going to sell tickets. And that's something that I think is pretty scary about the Rays. And we haven't even touched on the pitching yet, and I think that's kind of the next point we're going to transition into. Yeah, I have two points here. The first one is that Ethan should definitely apply for a job to work for the Rays as an analyst. (laughs) And the second one that you hit on, Ethan, is that their pitching is better than the Mariners. Their pitching staff has the fourth lowest ERA in baseball at 3.38. Their starters have the third lowest ERA at 3.45. And their relievers are sixth lowest at 3.30. These guys can flat out pitch, whether it's their bullpen or their starters. And here we have a projected three-man rotation for the Rays that would face the Guardians in the wild card series, which includes Shane McClellahan, Tyler Glasnow, and then a third starter, most likely Drew Rasmussen, or they could throw Corey Kluber, the former Guardian, out there. So I think that is a scary three-man staff, no no matter what way you break it down. Shane McClanahan, up until late in the year when he suffered an unfortunate injury, was looking like the AL Cy Young frontrunner. Tyler Glasnow, one of the former top prospects in baseball, has just come back and looks like his old self. He was throwing 98, 97 miles per hour consistently. He's only pitching like three innings at a time right now and did that in his rehab starts, but that's nothing new for the Rays. Again, that's just kind of how they operate. They're used to bullpen days. They're used to rocking with an opener, so they'd be perfectly content doing that in the playoffs. And then Drew Rasmussen has really come into his own, kind of been a sleeper this year. I think his ERA is right around the 2.8 clip which is pretty incredible, and we obviously know that Kluber has the playoff experience if they do do choose to go that route, but I would rather face him personally because he's been very shaky in his last four playoff starts, allowing 17 earned runs. So, yes, they do come in with a strong staff, stronger than the Mariners, but the Mariners do also have a strong pitching staff and rotation. I want to ask you guys real quick, in a three-game series versus the Rays, what do you have as an outcome for the Guardians? Well, look, I mean, we're obviously biased. I'm going to say the Guardians win that. So I'm going to I'm going to say this goes down just like the series that 
we just played versus the Rays. I think the Guardians win 2-1. I, I don't see the Rays just getting swept. They're too good of a team. Like you've mentioned, they made the World Series two years ago. They're perennial playoff team. They, they know they know how to, to win a game. So I'm going to say the Guardians get it done in three close games. Guardians are going to win 2-1. Yeah, I agree with Jack. I think the Guardians pull it out 2-1. And I think the big reason for that is going to be that just our starting pitchers have been pretty incredible. If you look at Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill, they're all like top five or six overall in quality starts on the year, which means that they're going to give you a chance to win. And that means our bullpen's going to get the chance to do their thing. So provided the bats are even somewhat there, we know the base running will be, and we should be able to get a couple of runs across the board. I will say 2-1 as well. Kind of lame that we're all going with the same thing, but it's just in my heart. I feel it. I say the Guardians go out and win games 1 and 3. I think Tristan McKenzie may fall victim to a long ball in game 2, and the Guardians don't have some success with scoring. But Cal Quantrill comes out in Game 3 with his unmatched Canadian energy and absolutely blows the Rays away. He has not lost a home start since he was traded from San Diego. So I say that that streak keeps on going and he gets the Game 3 win at home. Moving on to the Seattle Mariners now for you guys. This is a team that is not as successful as with hitting. They have the 27th highest batting average in the MLB at 229, but they do hit the long ball well. They have the 10th most home runs in the MLB at 188, and they do walk a lot with 572 walks. So this is a team that can make some noise at the plate with a long ball, and we see that teams that can hit the long ball do have a lot of success in the playoffs. Yeah, obviously a big part of that this year has been Julio Rodriguez, who is the odds-on favorite to win Rookie of the Year over over Stephen Kwan. Boo. Um, he has been, yeah, it's it, which is in in our opinions, in my opinion, he's like I won't speak for y'all. We're kind of dumb, but obviously he is a spark plug. Almost won the home run derby. Obviously he's a, he's an electric piece. Although he is dealing with some injuries right now to his back, he should be back soon, but. I, again, it, you know, if he's not 100%, then you definitely have more question marks with the Mariners squad, even though the Guardians have been significantly worse against them this year. Yeah, and I think something that's interesting to note is that despite being this team that hits a lot of home runs, they're pretty middle of the pack in terms of OPS. The Mariners, they're 16th in OPS as a team. They really have average speed. And I don't know, those guys like Ty France, Cal Raleigh, Big Dumper, they haven't really been here before. So I think that team's also pretty young. And there could be a lot of lights that might be too bright for them. But again, we haven't touched on this yet, but their pitching staff is very good and very scary. Yeah, so their pitching staff has the seventh lowest ERA in baseball at 3.57. Their starters have an ERA of 3.69, which is seventh in the MLB. And the relievers have an ERA of 3.36, which is 7th in the MLB. And they could also put out a scary three-man rotation in the playoffs of Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, and Logan Gilbert. So they could throw a left, two lefties at you, one who won Cy Young last year, and Luis Castillo, who's been one of the hottest pitchers in baseball this year. Yeah, I think... They're kind of starting rotation, Logan Gilbert, Robbie Ray, Luis Castillo, whatever way you break it down, all of those guys are going to keep you in the game, give you a chance to win. I mean, shit, Robbie Ray won the freaking Cy Young 
just like last year, I want to say. Mm-hmm. They're definitely going to be good. Uh, George Kirby in the pen, along with the rest of the Bomberos. It's also a very scary thought. But I think just as a whole, this team kind of has some flaws that we would match up well with, such as like their catcher pop times from Cal Raleigh, pretty mid, pretty middle of the pack. And I think we might be able to exploit that. And that's why you, we bring Ethan on this show, because he gets the nitty-gritty stats like that for us. So, again, I'll ask you guys, in a three-game series played in Cleveland, who's coming out with the dub? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll kick it off. I think I'm going to be... See, okay, this is funny. I almost want to say that the Guardians would sweep this 2-0, but I said that I'd rather see the race. So, I'll go 2-1, just because that wouldn't make any sense. So, I think 2-1 as well. I think... All right, let's. I'll, I'll go two one. Seattle Mariners win game one. Guardians rally, win the next two. Interesting call. Interesting call. I think we just fly out, sweep them, win back to back games, and just take it easily. Especially with Julio being a little banged up right now, I just don't know that they're going to have the same energy that they've kind of been rocking with all year. I'm going to say two one, just because this team can hit the long ball again. They could just win a game by a couple long balls, and they do have great starting pitching, so maybe they combine the two to win one game. But I say the Guardians pull out again, win the series 2-1, to one, and go on to face the Stankies in the Divisional Series. And before we wrap up this episode for you guys, I have one stat that I wanted to bring back from our season preview from jack ethan and myself and that was our record predictions for this upcoming season or for this past (laughs) season so starting off with myself i'm a big idiot i said that the guardians would go 78 and 84 we crushed that ethan said that the guardians would go 74 and 88 we crushed that jack was the closest to the pot saying 81 and 81 flat 500 but it's safe to say that we were all wrong. So We're all idiots. Yeah. The point that I wanted to bring up with this is that no one had playoff expectations for this Guardians team this year. And right now we are recording a playoff preview. So whether the Guardians go out and sweep the series or lose 0-2, I think this season has been a great success for the Guardians. They went out, defied expectations, And now they have a home playoff series. So I think whatever happens, this one was an awesome, successful year and something that they're going to build on and hopefully take to the top in the next couple of years. Yeah, no one saw this coming. And the fact that our, you know, I thought I was being optimistic with a 500 record and we're now sitting 20 games above 500 goes to show you just how impressive this season has been and how well run this organization is. Yeah, I could not have been more wrong with my record prediction, and I hear it pretty much every day from our friend of the show, Andy Sachs. (laughs) Andy! (laughs) Yeah, but I guess, like, I think someone who we didn't really give any credit yet is uh, Terry Francona. He's done a great job managing these young guys and really letting them have fun and be themselves. And it's exciting not just for this year in the playoffs, but for the future of the organization. Yeah, Real quick, too, like just to piggyback off that, is like this team is set up for the future and we're already winning the division now. So it's like it's super impressive what this team is not only accomplishing now, but what they can accomplish. It's been an exciting one. The first year as the Cleveland Guardians, 
This team has come in, defied expectations, and now they have a three-game series at home. So hopefully Progressive Field is absolutely packed for this playoff series. I will be there for game two, screaming my arse off for this team. It will be fun. And I'm hoping, guys, that we get to come back and do a divisional series preview where we can just poop on the Yankees the entire time. But if not, we will come in with a season recap for you guys. But hopefully we can push that season recap to the middle of November after Stephen Kwan and Jose Ramirez are lifting up that World Series trophy. But once again, it was great having both of you, especially having Ethan. Ethan, thanks for taking time to come back on to do this preview with us. It was great having you back on. Yeah, thanks again for having me as always, guys. I always love being on the pod and talking some talking some Guardians ball. Quick shout-outs because I always do them. Shout-out my boy Pratik. He's in med school out there grinding right now. And shout-out my boy Ishan. I'm actually supposed to go to the first Braves wildcard game if they don't sweep the Mets this weekend with him. So, you know, I'll be chopping it up in Drew's Park. There you go. Chop on, baby. That is all that we have for you guys today. So, you guys know the drill. Stay hot, our friends. Peace. And thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Chuvuk Beats on YouTube. We will have a link to it in the description. Make sure you all give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the hottest underscore take pot. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time.